Welcome back to The Drop. This is Michael Saramella here to talk about everything that happened this week in surfing. Shortly, I'm going to be joined by Buck to speak about all this week's news, including the first episode of Stab Highway Europe presented by Monster Energy. It is a doozy, and Buck and I are going to come in and give you some behind-the-scenes intel. We're also going to talk to Jack Robinson about how he won that paddle battle against Leo Fioravanti at J-Bay and a lot of other things that are going on in his life right now. It's the Stab interview this week. We're also going to talk about Pat Tenori and this crazy art exhibit that he put together, which basically comprises everything that was in the Ruka office. There's a deeper story here. We're going to get into it. We're also going to talk about Fiji, which apparently could be back on the tour next year. The WSL is currently in negotiations, and we're going to give you everything that we know. And last but not least, we're going to break down Repeater, Quicksilver's incredible new film that's going to be playing on the site on Saturday, and of course, a surf sin. So with that, let's drop it. Hello, Michael. Buckley, how are you? I see that you are in France. There's a French flag behind you. I am, I am, and uh, I'm on a bit of a bender. Whoa, I'm what's just going gonna... on? Yeah, you didn't respond at all. You completely went dark yesterday when we were supposed to record. What's going on over there? I was at a party called the, the Fete de Bayonne, which is a town here where it's like one of the ones where everybody's wearing white and red. It's just you have to wear that or else you look like an idiot. Um, and all the little red kind of scarves. And it's just essentially lawless. Um, there are no laws that I'm aware of inside that place. Everybody is just drunk and singing. And I was there and my phone died and I got a little bit upset for a minute. And then I went, you know what? <laughs> We're just going to have to roll with this one. <laughs> okay. Well, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed yourself and I hope that you continue to enjoy yourself because it sounds like you're going to be hosting a premiere over there this week. Yeah. Like I said, a little bit of a bender. We're going, uh, you know, probably Mellow Boy tonight. There's really fun waves actually at the moment too. And it's just like sunny, fun waves. You saw the, the deal here. Um, but it's like you're surfing in boardies. It's beautiful. Um, so it'll be a good boy tonight. And then tomorrow, Coolin, uh, at La Central and Oscar, Step by Europe presented by Monster Energy Party. And uh, that's going to be a bit of a vertex too. Yeah. And when Buck says tomorrow, that means Saturday, July 29th. So yeah, come on out. All right, but we got a lot of news. We got a lot of news this week, Mikey. It's a hot one. Let's get into it. Dab Highway Europe presented by Monster Energy, episode one. That is in the top slot this week. And oh my God, how did it feel for you to start to relive this trip? Was it was it fun? Was it a little bit uh, PTSD? How did you feel re-entering the highway? Well, I felt great because... All the first episode is, is the first day. It's the same thing that happened in California, happened here, where the first day was just so long and so many things happened, and the energy was still so high, despite the fact that some people were coming into that day off of a bit of a bender the night before. But oh, yeah, yeah the, the, seriously, like we, this whole trip is 10 days, and we had no choice but to make the first of four episodes just the first day because so many things happened. So I think, it, yeah, the energy is super high in this one. Oh my God, what a way to start. It is high energy. I mean, there's a there's a wrestling match almost immediately. That was intense. That was so, yes. I mean, that was like first two hours of the trip. And it was like, I think, I mean, you'd been on the one in California, obviously, but it was the first one that I was on. And so you're like trying to figure out how people are going to kind of operate. Like, are they going to be real serious? Are they going to be fun? Uh, 
and are they going to be like really competitive with each other? And like right away, I thought that was going to set a tone for the trip. I don't think it really did. Um, I think that was like the most intense like inter-team feud we had, but it was like first hour. Oh yeah, and and there were multiple ones too. Because remember in the first actual challenge as well, Zeke and uh, Killian got into it out in the water. Mm. So. There's a lot going on there, um, but yeah. I do want to break down the teams just so everyone's aware of who's involved in this year's Stab Highway. It's a really good mix of like international people. Obviously, we wanted to get a lot of Europeans in the mix because it's we're in their uh, home turf. So starting off with the blue team, that one is led by Juliette Lacombe from France. She's got Joel Vaughn from Australia, Huey's older brother, Mackenzie Bowden, and Hugo Ortega from the Mediterranean. Hugo actually had a stab edit of the year entry a little bit earlier this year, so that's where you may know him. The red team is led by Zoe McDougall, who you'll probably remember from Stab Highway, California, presented by Monster Energy. And she's got Letty Mortensen from Australia, Jacob Zeke Kelly again. She picked Zeke again. We didn't know what she was going to do there, but she she went for it. She wants to win. And South Africa's Eli Bukas. And then the yellow team is led by Victoria Vergara from France. Well, actually from Guadeloupe, I believe. And she picked Luke Cederman, Raglan Surf Report, um, friend of the podcast, Miguel Blanco, and Shane Sykes from South Africa. Miguel's from Portugal. We talked about his stab editor of the year entry earlier this year. And the green team... Actually, just ended up being an all-French team. It's Maud Lacar as the captain. She picked Killian Guerin, William Aliotti, and Sam Peter. Um, Sam was a, a last-minute addition when one of the other competitors that we were going to have on there pulled out due to illness. So Sam, being in France already, was just a great addition. And those are the four teams that we got going head-to-head against each other. Mm, mm, yeah. And we know who won, but you don't. Yeah, so this is going to be rolling out for four weeks as well. So the next episode drops next Thursday. Uh, that's August 3rd. And then the next one after that is August 10th and August 17th. And that'll all be on Stab Premium. And yeah, they're going to be going to three different countries. We're starting in France, then Spain, then Portugal. Teams will get eliminated along the way. And Buck, do you want to give them just another little snippet from F1 that they can get excited about? Well, I actually want to give a little behind the scenes take here because in this F1, you see people going after the naked shoving challenge. Um, Mm. And I think, like you said, it's all just that first day, but it was so early on in that first day, just how quickly it became chaotic, like from the wrestling match to like, just watching people go out and try to hand a baguette to each other on a wave and eat it. Like, I think it was a Saturday. And so it was just like a nice sunny day would have just been a normal peaceful day for a lot of people. And it was just madness. But with the naked shove a challenge, I just remember <laughs> Letty's out there trying it. It's, um, it's not packed, but there's people around and there's a ton of people on the beach. And uh, this one guy was so fucking awesome. He was, I don't know why, but he was like so seemingly offended by Letty having his dick out. And he just, he goes to him and I was in the water at the time and I just heard him go, hey, it's not Germany, huh? (laughs) (laughs) And for context, France, like it, topless is normal on the beach, but you have to go to like certain beaches for, to go like fully nude. Um which that was where we said to do the shove it, even though Letty wasn't at the correct spot. Um, whereas I think Germans are just known to be the nakedest. Um, so it was just funny because I think for everybody else, they associate France with nudity. But this guy is being, it's not Germany, huh? 
just next level. Just, oh, I'll never forget his, he was like mad. I don't know why. He was so mad at Letty's dong. Yeah, there's a decent amount of nudity in Ep 1. And Letty gets um, shafted a couple of times. That moment was kind of reminiscent of what happened to Parker Coffin in last year's finale, where he was trying to land an air and just couldn't. And then he got yelled at by a lifeguard and they said they were going to call the cops. Um, but Letty did redeem himself because there was also a challenge in the booklet that you had to get a naked beachgoer to go tandem on a wave with you, which like imagine walking up to somebody who's naked on the beach and convincing <laughs> them to ride on a surfboard <laughs> with you at the exact same time. Maybe even somebody who hasn't surfed before. But um, yeah, Letty definitely kind of like soothed over the, the bad experience he had with that one, I would say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good looking fella. She was happy to jump on board with him. And then we also had Vic in this episode. One of the challenges was to ask a naked beachgoer to put their clothes back on, um, which, I mean, obviously Victoria's French, so she is able to just have that conversation and be polite about it and, you know, try to limit the amount of offense that somebody's going to take to that. Um, <laughs> whereas the other teams did not have that. And even with Vic, the guy was not happy. <laughs> no, but he, was... he complied. He complied, yeah. <laughs> he complied, but he wasn't thrilled about it. <laughs> um, uh... So there's a lot, a lot of great stuff in this episode, and it ends on one of the, the funner nights of the whole trip as well, mm. which was, you know, we're oh. in France, we're in Hasegor, and there are a lot of French people that are in this event, and the green team in particular, they're all French, and they basically are like, that's their hometown, like they're there every day, so people know them, and Killian Guerin, who I didn't know much about going into this, I knew that he'd ridden and paddled one of the heaviest waves ever in Hasegor, but he's a young kid, and he's just got so much confidence and such good energy, and the way that he sort of owned that, and he had to go in in a speedo and do a bunch of different things and yeah just it, it ends on a really high note as well which means that the next episode starts on <laughs> so, well kind of a high note but also they had to sleep in the van after like partying all night and then go surf la gravier so yeah there's a lot more interesting moments to come yeah yeah that ender i mean he was in such good form that night it was just uh it was just you had to sit back and um be in awe really yeah you did so, i think he actually inspired you know we go into this with a, a rule book but also one of the rules is that we can make up the rules as we go and i think he inspired a new stab highway rule which is that you can actually get bonus points for going above and beyond on certain challenges and he earned it that night oh he went so far beyond so more <laughs> on that coming soon stay tuned Jack Robinson on injuries, Tahiti, and how he won that paddle battle. Mikey, I believe you gave Jack a call, correct? I did, yes. How was he? I mean, I was so excited to talk to Jack just because of, well, I mean, mainly, honestly, just the paddle battle. I really wanted to pick his brain about how that all went down and like how he won. And he did a really good job of breaking it down, at least from his perspective. So, yeah, why don't we run a clip? So then you jump off your board and you pop up right next to Leo. And what are you thinking in that moment? <laughs> I'm thinking I'm gonna just paddle straight over the top of his head. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, no matter where I have to go, I just gotta go straight through. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna just try and get the inside off him. And then so he pushed, he paddled over me and we're elbowing each other. And then I, I feel like he caught my board and basically my board got pushed under by his arm and then I was like, all right, 
I gotta be strategic. How am I gonna apply this? Yeah, one of the, well, a lot of things stood out to me. The first one was the amount of separation that occurred when that first little wave came and you went over it and he kind of did like a half duck dive and you guys got split by like 10 feet. Yeah, well, it kind of, I should have probably duck dived, but then I just, I thought I could maybe paddle over the wave and, and get him and stay, stay with him. But then, uh, yeah, it was kind of weird just how the water moved. It kind of got me, pushed me back and then, yeah, I just remember, I was like, all right, it's going to be a good paddle battle because I feel like he's, you know, he's super fired up, especially when he surfs against me, and I'm fired up when I surf against him, so I was like, all right, we're going to go to the end here. When I saw you guys have that big of a gap, I was kind of like, oh, it's uh-huh. it's over. Like, I know it's a long paddle, but normally when somebody gets, yeah. like, a clear separation from another person in a paddle battle, it's just... Uh-huh. It, the other person, I guess, kind of gives up, is what it is. Yeah, it was just like I just I won't give up. Like until we have to go, we have to paddle to boneyards. I paddle to boneyards. Like I just wasn't giving up. It didn't matter. So you guys, like, you obviously train a ton physically, along yeah. with mentally. But so does Leo. Like Leo's in the gym all yeah. the time. You guys are roughly yes. the same size. You ride similar size yeah. boards, right? So why do you think you were yeah. able to just like? blow past him so quickly <laughs> I don't know he might have panicked <laughs> um, the thing about what is, I think mentally I'm just it's a bit different I just don't want to give up I would never give up so. <laughs> when I watched that live I remember distinctly thinking like oh there's no chance that Leo can win this heat now once you beat him in the paddle battle because he just would have been so <laughs> like defeated mentally <laughs> No, I feel like I won the heat right there. It was dangerous still. Like, he still had a score. He got a score under me, but um, competitively, yeah. Sometimes it's a tell, you know, when you win moments like that. Do you feel like that was sort of validation for all the hard work you've done over the past few years? You know, training physically, training mentally? Yeah, I think so. I think it's, they're the moments, like, it's, it's probably a lot of boring training and a lot of things that you do but you know your whole life growing up with challenges whatever it is pressure from everything you take on the pressure of all the expectations or even growing up with you know we all have traumas we all have family stuff I feel like if you can just persevere through it uh, yeah you can gain strength from it too like you can gain strength from the demons that you have too and then if you're able to channel them like you can really uh find the power kind of within i feel like like the yin yang is not just a yin yang white balance like it's it's black and white like there's it's not yeah you got both sides you know so if you're able to channel all your energy properly and go through challenges you can overcome anything i feel like i i love how in depth you went about the paddle battle with him because it's one of those things where i mean even with something i think did the ultimate surfer try to do a paddle battle thing or wasn't that like roped in somehow if you force that it's so lame like it's just fucking cringe but when that happens naturally it is so fucking cool and that was one of like aside from actual surfing actual waves i think that was like my favorite wsl moment of the year that was fucking awesome so i'm happy you went deep with him on that i told stace i missed 
the good day at J-Bay, like just time zone. So that was to me the best moment of the entire year. Just getting, cause I woke up basically like into that. I was, I watched that live cause it was still running when I woke up and I was like, that was the best thing I've seen all year, hands down. Yeah. Yeah. So you went deep with him there. You talked some Tahiti. Um, you talked about the injuries that he's been battling this year. I like how you, cause it is kind of an interesting situation with where he's at and where's and where Yago's at. The fact that they travel together, have the same coach, who also happens to be Yago's dad. Now they're kind of competing for Yago's in the spot now, but Jack's right on his heels. So it is an interesting dynamic, but they seem like they have such a good program. And you could almost be like cliche with shit like that, but I almost feel like it. you could just tell that there's just a lot of respect between them and that it's uh, they go out there and do their thing and then they're still friends. So They seem like really balanced humans. It's terrible for the tour. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm actually, I have some questions about that when we get to a topic down the line. Um, anyway, anything else that you, you enjoy learning from Jack in this stab interview? Well, yeah, I just, I also really wanted to pick his brain because he started the year so strong. He won Pipe. Mm. He got third at Sunset. He got second at Portugal. From that point, it's like, oh man, you'd have to really fuck up to at least not have a shot in the final five. And his fuck up wasn't really a fuck up. It came in the way of an injury. But it led to him missing one event and then getting four seventeenths and a, I guess, a thirty-third in the next five events that he served. So he went from like at the top, top, top to literally just crashing and burning. And so we just went through sort of the psychology of all that and how he really felt this weight on him going into J Bay, and how, in a way, he he won the heat against Slater in the morning of the good day. And then that moment with Leo sort of like kind of really freed him up. And now I think he's like, he feels like a different person. So it'll be interesting to see if he can capitalize on that in Tahiti. He's got a lot of work to do and he's got a lot of things that have to go his way, but it would be pretty special if he found his way into the top five and carrying that momentum, he would be really, really dangerous at lowers. I really hope there's waves for Tahiti. I mean, with, with John, Gabe and Jack all outside the top five. It's fucking, that's so gnarly. That's so hectic. So let's hope for some swell. A masterclass in brand marketing and how to leave an employer. Ruka was founded by Pat Noor and Conan Hayes in 1999. Pat, Pat what? Which, Pat Noor, Tenor, E, Pat the Tenor. <laughs> I mean, Conan Hayes is easy to pronounce. He might, he might charge the Capitol building. He might try to overthrow the government, but it has a nice, clean name to pronounce. Is it not Conan? Conan Hayes. I don't know. It is. It's all fine. Anyway, those two guys founded Ruka in 1999, which gives it almost a 25-year history. And now Ruka is about to have a new owner. Their name is Authentic Brands Group. I think they're changing actually just to authentic dropping the brands group um but that deal is going to close at the end of next month we're hearing and um yeah pat had some pat decided that uh they weren't going to just have all his uh, personal belongings in his office when they took it over so he had his entire office with all like he had a crazy crazy office just stuck everywhere a bunch of like almost artifacts um just cool stuff, cool art. And he took it all out, recreated it, called it Exit Through the Surf Shop and had an art show, a big party. 
So this happened, was it last Friday, I believe, the art show, the opening night? Yep. Yeah, huge turnout. Um, just a bunch of people from anything from MMA fighters to pro surfers to former employees and even, I think, current uh, employees there. So Former was... employees. Was Dane there? <laughs> Dane and Craig were there, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Interesting, interesting. I saw, I think you actually shared it with me, but a very interesting piece of artwork, um, a poster for the show that was, uh, it kind of uh, didn't hide its symbolism too too well. <laughs> it was just uh, a bunch of tombstones with all of the authentic brands, groups, companies uh, written on the tombstones. So I guess that's... Uh, sort of how some people are feeling right now but i don't i don't think that that we'll have a full update next week but i don't think that front is going to be as bad as um what was initially expected to be honest yeah so there's a lot that we still need to learn about what's going to happen with this deal but it did feel a little bit like a farewell from pat in a sense or at least like i guess the way that i thought of it is so you know Ruka is in this building, like its headquarters, which it's had forever. And to your point, they like have all these iconic things in there that like no other um, surfing company has a place like this, where it's like this real like hub of creativity. You have people coming in there from all aspects of sport and culture and art, because it's just this, it's like a, a hive basically of just creativity. And that was all Pat's little brainchild, right? Like Pat started the company 25 years ago. He sold it to Billabong in 2010, and he's stayed on as its leader through multiple regime changes and ownership changes. And for whatever reason, it seems like Pat saw this this one that's upcoming with ABG and Ruka potentially going to Liberated as different. And so it seemed to me like he was saying, you know, by taking all this stuff out of the HQ, it's like he's saying, you can have my company, but you can't have my brand. And I think that that's a pretty powerful move to make at this stage. And it'll be interesting to see if Pat decides to stay on or if he even has the ability to stay on. But yeah, it was just this whole thing was just celebrating everything Ruka's done in the last quarter century. And in a way, it seemed like, you know, looking at that poster they made, it was almost like it was mourning the surf industry's death through monopolization, which is maybe a bit of an exaggeration, but it also leans back to the conversation that I had with Pat O'Connell last week. There really is something about competition driving the industry. And right now it's really hard to have competition when all the brands are essentially owned by the same companies and they're sort of protecting against the the behavior that, that spawned some of the greatest moments, you know, the rivalries between Billabong, Quicksilver, Volcom, all these different brands. So we're seeing a lot of um, a similar sentiment right now that people think that, you know, the surf industry needs to be shaken up a little bit. And it'll be interesting to see if Pat decides to stay on with Ruka or breaks off and maybe does something new. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. Actually, uh, he should know this week. I think at least in the U.S., the the people pretty much got a lot of job offers this week in the US. I think Australia and Europe, it's not at that level yet, but I think with the new licensees for a lot of the board riders brands, um, this week was a pretty crucial week in terms of people getting new offers from the new people who'd be operating the business. And from what I understand, quite a few people did. Um, I think well over a hundred. Um, so a lot of people are keeping their jobs, which is good news. But like I said, we'll have a deeper dive into all that next week. 
Watch Now, Repeater. All right, this is a Quicksilver Surf film and is based on the idea, I guess you call it an idea, sounds like a good idea to me, Surf, Eat, Sleep, Repeat. Uh, this was mostly filmed and fully edited by Wade Carroll, who is very, very good at what he does, who you just saw in a Best Surfing I've Ever Seen with us earlier this year. We've got Mikey Wright, Kale Walsh, Al Cleveland Jr., Griffin Cole Pinto, uh, Lungi Slab, Rolando Monte, Rolsky. Not Kanoa, interestingly. Not Kanoa, interestingly. Um, I know Wade was on the road for six months shooting this, um, just pretty much chasing every swell. They just said, hey, we're going to make a film. And so he's their guy. Um, and so that man... I think Ethan actually lives with him. One of our staff in Australia shares a place with Wade. And so I guess Ethan had the place, uh, had more space for the past six months. Um, anyway, they went to WA, Mexico, Reunion Island, Puerto Rico, and Ireland. And fuck me, they got some good waves. Insane waves. Like, for instance, that wave in Reunion that you think of guys doing airs in Modern Collective and, you know, Jordy's film and all that. They got it like eight-foot pumping tubes. And they weren't expecting They weren't expecting that. They thought like, oh, yeah, we'll just go to that wave and do some airs. And they got there and were like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, man, between that, the Puerto Rico stuff, and then the Ireland stuff, what Mikey Wright does there is on another level, I think. But I think if you had any of those three trips and put it into a section, like it's enough to kind of like add a different element to the film. You know, there, there are three places that you don't see all that much of. Um, and so to have any of those just to be like, oh, yeah, we also went here and got waves to see them go all three and score all three. I was like, oh, my God. But the Ireland stuff especially is fucking mind blowing. What was your favorite part? I don't know which was my favorite section, but what stood out to me the most was in this group of like incredibly talented surfers how much Mikey stands out in every single location as like the clear mm. alpha dog. Like he's just such an unbelievably talented and fearless surfer. Like the positions he puts himself in and the waves he goes on, there's this wave at the very end. I think it might be the last wave like in the credits and they're surfing that little wave. Um, I think it's called uh, Eileen's. Is that like the slabby, like right on the rocks left in, in Ireland? Eileen's is the roll in that sometimes isn't a roll in. Oh, then it's the other one. I forget its name right now, but you know what I'm talking about. It's the one that basically like breaks on dry rocks, and when it's good, it looks like really perfect. Well, they surfed it on this day that was just like chunky and kind of gross looking. And Mikey just paddles into this wave and literally airdrops no hands from like top to bottom and just pulls into this thing and was never going to make it. But just like the comfort with which he surfs waves like that is baffling to me. And he... baffling, proper baffling. So. That was the biggest thing for me, but also there was like a lot of just crazy, like the the machete scene. That was oh my god, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. There's just a full machete fight in this thing. Question for you, Mikey. Question: Could Al Cleland Jr. qualify for the World Surf League's Championship Tour? Yes, absolutely. You think he's gonna? Hard, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Challenger series is really hard. He's talented enough, a hundred percent. I think it depends on the waves that they get in the Challenger series. But you put him in anything that has a bit of push to it, and I think he's a step above ninety percent of the guys on the CS. Yeah, yeah. He, I really like watching him surf too. It's it's sick to see the surfing he's been doing lately. Riley's, 
Riley's is the name of the wave. For any Irish surfers listening to this, sorry, it's Riley's. So anyway, if you want to see Repeater, it's probably the best brand film that's come out since uh, the Billabong one that came out early this year, Interlusion. So it's it's really, really strong. Like we said, they surf some amazing waves. It's going to be actually premiering tonight in Huntington Beach. That's Friday, July 28th. So if you are around, you can go watch it there. And it's going to be online for the rest of the world to see on Saturday, June 29th. You can obviously find it on stabmag.com. And yeah, it's kind of one of those ones that you you really don't want to miss. It's This is like a proper surf film that you want to watch. Go check it out. I fucking loved it. Nice job, Wade. Is the WSL going back to Fiji? You just said hard maybe, Mikey. Another hard maybe. So it's been since 2017 that we've seen an event there. And there is talk of it coming back. It could be coming back. Basically, the deal is Fiji's got a new government. And that government seems to want to focus on promoting surfing. Um, Just realizing that they have really, obviously, insane waves there and view it as something to just invest in and hopefully get some more tourism money, which I think already contributes to roughly 40% of their economy, I think. Um, so basically what we've heard is that the your friends at the league said, hey, Fiji, you know, we want to have an event there, give us a million dollars. And so now Fiji's like, yeah, let's think about it. And um, that's kind of the gist of it, Mikey. So nothing has signed off yet. We know that Andrew Stark is involved and he is a very, very respected guy. I think we kind of called him out on the WSL potential next CEO piece. I think he'd be a great pick for that. Um, He, I think recently a lot of people became aware of him when he, with the COVID year, having to just find new places to run CT events essentially on the fly and being able to pull that off. So he's great at what he does. He is apparently a driving force behind this one. And um, Connor O'Leary really wants this to happen. <laughs> he does, as do most surfing fans. If not all, do you think there's one fan out there who's like, nah, I don't think they need to go back to cloud break? <laughs> <laughs> I bet there's one guy, yeah. And he probably follows us on Instagram. <laughs> well, I'm very excited for this. And honestly, like, I felt a little bit of apprehension to publish this piece because... The last thing that I want to do is mess up any negotiations that the WSL is having with the uh, Fijian government. But I also feel like if both sides, or I mean, mainly the Fijian government realize how much surfers want this, like the more we talk about it, hopefully it just like gives them confidence. Like, yeah, this is the right move for us. So that was one of the big reasons that we decided to go forward with this. We had inside information, but, you know, we had to weigh the pros and cons of running it because Again, we wouldn't want to screw up the negotiations between them, but I think this is just such an important thing for everybody that loves competitive surfing. Like We've obviously felt this year that the WSL isn't quite hitting the mark when it comes to locations and events. So yeah, this is something that everybody wants, and we decided to push and put our weight behind it, so hopefully it pays off. Let's see, and even if Fiji doesn't come to the table with the money, there's still a chance it'd come just if they find a, a non-government sponsor to foot the bill. Um, one interesting thing is the event would run in June. And so this year in June, we had El Salvador and Brazil. So if this thing goes through, it'd be really interesting to see how the WSL plays their, their calendar for next year. Um, which again, I got that, I got that deep, that deep sense that something's changing. I could smell it. I could smell it. 
Well, and it's also a question of like, yeah, are they going to get rid of some locations or are they going to make it an 11 stop tour before the finals? Would they not consider Fiji as the finals location? We know that this is the last year that, you know, the rip curl contract goes for lowers. It's possible they could renew that or it's possible. And I think a lot of people would hope that they find a new location. And I think Cloudbreak would be a pretty great option. No, nah, man, two words for you. Abu Dhabi. <laughs> One more question for you, Mikey. Skull Draggers, a famous drink um, in Fiji where what do you have to just drink uh, pretty much, I think, like eight. You come to like eight drinks out of a snorkel. Um, that used to be every year you'd see photos of people. It seemed like it was just like kind of like what happened at G-Land. It's just like everybody's staying in the same place. And if there's like a, if there's a, a flat spell or something, a big night's bound to happen. Um, yeah. It goes to Lord of the Flies pretty quickly. So quickly. I mean, everybody's just right there. And so um, just heard some hilarious stories about stuff back in the day, people saying Emotu and trying to get to Tavrua in the night. Just uh, it gets wild there, I think. And so that is another reason I hope this thing comes back because just like that G-Lan party, there is just something good about seeing the world's best surfers just go fucking mad. Yes, on land. I couldn't agree more. So bring back cloud break, bring back the skull dragger, bring back getting two tens in your heat two times. Yeah, bring that back too. All good stuff. Let's get it back. Come on, Fiji. Let's do it. All right. What else do we got? We have the Cult of Freedom, Sean Manners part, now playing for free on our site. So anybody can go watch that. You don't need to be a poor person that doesn't have premium. You can still watch it. It's fine. Um, we have a CT rankings, who needs what to get in the top five update. Uh, you and Stace got into that, but this is for people who like to look at screens instead of, uh, put little plastic things in their ears like you and I right now. Uh, Stace also has a joyride from Alex Cruz shapes or die AC, ACSOD, ACSOD. Remember too, with the joyride that. Every single time we give away a free board from the Shaper. This time we're actually giving away two boards because Stace tested two in the Joyride, the Red Lotus and the Blue Lotus. And yeah, basically at the end of each Joyride, you can find a little prompt where you can submit an email and put yourself in the running. Cool, cool. Go get there and then keep an eye on the site. We have plenty more Stab Highway Europe presented by Monster Energy coming. I'll be rolling out all through the month so keep an eye out it's gonna get weird it's gonna we've got a lot coming for you on that front um and then i mentioned it before but we'll have a deeper dive into the authentic brands group board rider situation next week as well so stay tuned and now it is time for a surf sin all right lads it's laurent from the uk hanging out here in israel uh, i've got a sin to report I've been sitting on for quite a while. Uh, when I first got here, I was a surf instructor and uh, had this lesson where my underwear underneath my board shorts was starting to move around a lot, which was kind of against its purpose, you know, it was meant to be there to stop the evilest of all rashes from happening. And uh, things were getting uncomfortable, standing there neck deep in the surf. I knew I had lessons after, so uh, yeah, uh, I ripped off my underwear little by little, stuffed them in my pocket, and the student never found out that I was uh, free balling in the middle of our lesson. 
so uh, give me my penance. So the we get uh, we've had a few sins lately where the people are just getting destroyed on the Instagram. Um, this one probably isn't as bad as we've seen, but um, a lot of people confused a bit about the the sin. It was there's a lot of okay. I mean, let's just address the elephant in the room: underwear, underboard shorts. Um, yeah, you just you can't even if you're if you're gonna do it on land, I guess then maybe it's okay. But entering the water like that is, um, yeah, that's, that did not sit well with our Instagram audience. Although Mikey, you sometimes wear like the, the water underwear thing, don't you? I do. I do. I wear my beneaths a lot of times when I'm surfing. They're, yeah, they're, they're custom made for performance athletes like myself. So do you, so do you take a stance for underwear underboard shorts then? Cause that's essentially, you're wearing, they're, they're underwear, right? They're, I guess, yeah, they're underwear, but they're, well, when I, when this guy said it, it made me think he was wearing like boxers or something, like, I don't know, like real proper underwear, which is like, he'd probably fit in really well at the US Open. Um, what I'm wearing is to, I mean, he talks about preventing rash. That is a thing that happens. Um, so that's, that's one thing. For me, actually, though, the main reason that I wear them most of the time is for, backside barrel riding and i know that this doesn't happen to everyone but i know that there's a percentage of the population like me who when they backside barrel ride without wearing anything under their board shorts it's a very unpleasant uncomfortable experience you lean into the wall and you're you're butt dragging technically but some other things are dragging too and it feels like you're a punching bag for the wave and you basically feel like you want to throw up so you end up missing a lot of barrels because you have to choose between your future children and getting a little bit deeper. So that's the main reason that I wear them. Okay, fair, fair. So you, I, I yeah, I don't believe in it. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't go right, so I don't have that problem. Uh, anyway, there's people saying like, oh, is this even a sin? I think you know, people latched on to the, the underwear thing. And um, well, it was just that, question, it, but it was like he, it was it was like it was incomprehensible to him that somebody could go in the water without underwear. I think that's the difference. Like I obviously know that you can surf without underwear, and I do a decent amount of the time. But it was like to him that was the sin, right? Like it was totally unfathomable to him that somebody would freeball. Yeah, yeah, which is obviously what what are you talking about so problematic. Yeah, it's problematic. It's problematic. But anyway, questioning if it's actually a sin. Um, it's borderline a crime. You can't, if you're, somebody's paying you to teach them how to surf, you can't just pull your dick out. Like that's not, you can't, if somebody is paying you, if you're at your job and somebody you're in charge of looking after, so you can't just disrobe, even if you're doing it subtly. Uh, so, but yeah, I don't think he did. I think it sounded to me like he did the thing where, and I can't even think about if this is like, yeah, I think it is possible, but it sounds like he wiggled out of his underwear while keeping his board shorts on was that not the gist that you got from his story yeah but i mean at some point you got to kind of pull something down right like you can't <laughs> just do that completely like you can't who's he houdini wait can you not <laughs> Fuck. hold on let me try <laughs> all right hold on i'm making progress 
David Blaine over here. Okay, it's possible, folks. I just did it live on wow. air. Took okay. my underwear off with my shorts staying on. I think that's what okay. this guy did in the water. Okay, wow. Well, I, I have been proven wrong live on air. Um, <laughs> like he just did that right in front of me. And to be fair, I, he, there was no slipping. He was able to keep himself adequately closed. I was not sexually assaulted on air is what I'm saying. So, <laughs> man, I didn't know that. I guess um, I'm not super familiar with underwear. Um, I probably went maybe five to 10 years in my life without owning a pair. Um, and so I wasn't very familiar with, with how that can work. So thank you for that. Anyway, one penance that was on IG that I wanted to call out is, um, it's from World Surf Intrigue. It said, your penance is you need to wear undies over your wetsuit, over your undies until you're comfortable free balling. Um, if you have to put underwear over a wetsuit, that's just funny. You're like quail man, like that, that one guy. So I like that. Shout out world surf intrigue. Um, my penance is no underwear for a year. Like I said, I did five to 10, I'd say, I think I stopped wearing it because like a prison sentence. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I had to wear them in high school because we had to change for gym and I didn't want to be the dick out guy when we're changing for gym. Um, and so after high school, I, I, I let it rip and, um, I wear them to bed now, but that's essentially it. So yeah, just do a year, see how it feels. Um, and hopefully just unwire this weird I, belief system you have about, about this underwear thing. It's, yeah. So that's mine. No one easier. Okay. All right, Buck. I like that. It's simple. It's to the point. It will probably you know, free up this guy in a lot of ways, mentally, physically. So I, I, I want that for him. Uh, I also though, just, he, I guess he just strikes me as the type of guy that thinks it's probably like illegal to, to kiss a girl on the first date. Like, I just think that he has, you know, these kind of mental shackles on, mm. on what it's like to live. And I, I think that, you know, we really need to free him up, you know, not so much as a this isn't, you know, a lot of times I give penances that I think will benefit the world, but I'd really just want this guy to to live a more uninhibited life. So what I want him to do is I want him to commit, let's call it three petty crimes. Um, just to... I like it. Yeah, just, you know, like maybe you're at the store and, you know, you buy a few things, but you slip a pack of gum in your pocket. I mean, self-checkout is made for for thievery. Let's be it's honest. true. And can you imagine how much this guy's just going to be like sweating? Like he's going to be absolutely, he's like, oh, yeah, well, the punishment for stealing a pack of gum is obviously life in prison. So I'm going to now mm -hmm. rot the rest of my life away. And so, yeah, but, but he's going to do it. And whether or not he, maybe he'll even get caught, but he'll realize that it's not so bad. Like you can do things that feel a little bit wrong and it's not the end of the world. And I think he might even come out of it and get a little bit of that, that rush, you know, mm. of doing something a little bit bad. It seems like he actually got off on this one a little bit, honestly. A so I bit. think that, yeah, we need to, we need to kind of push him a little bit further, free him up, let him see the world as a more liberated place. And I think that he'll be a happier person for it. So three petty crimes, you can choose what they are. You can go deep in the law book, but um, yeah, I just want you to feel a little bit alive. Yeah. And, Storm a Capitol building. Just fucking live for once.
Thank you, as always, for listening to The Drop. If you have a surf sin of your own, submit it to us at michael at stabmag.com or buck at stabmag.com. Film it vertically on your phone, 60 seconds or less, and if you get chosen to be our week surf sin, you will be posted on Stab's Instagram, you will end up on this podcast, and you will win a free year membership of Stab Premium. So get them in. And yeah, like we said, there's a lot happening with ABG. The U.S. Open's about to happen, so I think we're going to learn a lot more. So stay tuned for next week. We're going to have a lot of news coming your way. And until then, over and out.